Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to the How to Save a Planet podcast. My name is Lottie Deal and I am your host. Today we are chatting about your favorite topic, which is recycling, specifically mattress recycling. I'm chatting with David Petrie, who is the general manager of Soft Landing, one of Australia's largest mattress recycling companies. In this episode, we're talking all about their innovative processes, the environmental impact that they're having, but also the social impact as well. So tune in and get ready to learn lots. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, David. I'm really excited to chat to you. Recycling is just one of my favorite topics. So hopefully this episode doesn't go too long because I think I could talk to you all day. But pretty much I wanted to first of all get you to explain to our listeners if they haven't heard of soft landing before what your mission is and what you are actually recycling. Sure, Lottie. Well, Soft Landing is a registered charity and a social enterprise, part of the community resources group. So we have a number of social enterprises. In Soft Landing, we collect and recycle mattresses on a very large scale. And the lovely thing about our business, our purpose is really simple and not in any order of priority, we want to do good things for the environment. And for us, that's simply keeping a very harmful end-of-life product out of landfill. And the second thing, doing it in a way where we create meaningful jobs for people that actually are really struggling. So typically have barriers to employment, have been long-term unemployed, lots of different issues that stop people from getting a start in the workforce or staying in the workforce. So just in that front, for every 23 mattresses we collect, we create one day of work for someone that really needs it. It is amazing. And I think it's so amazing that you're able to kind of tackle both an environmental and a social cause as well and really make such an impactful difference. So just focusing on the actual recycling of mattresses, why are those so terrible if they end up in landfill? Well, a couple of things. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with a mattress uh, that is excess to your requirements at home. Where do you put it? So you start to scale that up and think that there's probably somewhere be, let's say around 1.8 million mattresses a year reach their end of life. The sheer size of them, As soon as you put them into landfill, they are problematic. They take up a huge amount of space. They are unstable. I often ask people, can you imagine having a house built on reclaimed land that was full of old mattresses? Would you be comfortable? So it is actually, uh, putting it to landfill is really a very problematic thing. Uh, Landfill is becoming more expensive. They also release gases 
and just it's really an, a totally unsustainable approach and damaging to the environment. So that's effectively why we want what we are trying to do is keep them from getting into landfill in the first place. It's crazy. 1.8 million mattresses a year. So say, for example, I'm that person that has one of these mattresses and I want to recycle it with soft landing. How does that process work? Okay. So we actually work with a, uh, we, we basically have a couple of streams of collecting the mattresses. The largest of those is where we're working with councils, local government areas, where as part of the service they offer their ratepayers for collection of hard waste, we work with many councils around Australia to collect. The ratepayer books the collection or takes a mattress to the transfer station and we will either collect from the curbside or collect from the council depot and then we're moving it back to our, our central processing. So that's the biggest part of, of our collection. So probably the one most customers will end up using. The second is when uh, people buy new beds or new mattresses and the retailer that has sold them that mattress delivers the uh, new one and takes the old one away. So we will collect from those retail outlets. And again, usually that's in a, in a, in a bulk fashion. And usually once a week at least, we collect from those stores and we bring them back to our facility. Uh, and then the third one, is we actually do have an online booking system where anyone within our areas that we operate in, we don't cover all of Australia, can actually book online and we will then collect the mattress from outside their home and bring it back to our facility for processing. So there is a number of different ways that you can actually get the mattresses to us. As I said, the most common is via your local council's a hard waste collection service that they offer. Amazing. And so I call my local council. They say, great, put it on the curb tomorrow and we will come and collect it. Then once it comes back to you guys, how is it actually processed? Because there's springs in there, materials, uh, stains. Yes. Firstly, Lottie, uh, one, to work in our facilities, one needs to have a fair tolerance for really dirty hard work. And so I am immensely proud of the of the physical work and the the work that our team do every day. So what we do is we use a manual deconstruction process. We think that is definitely the best way of breaking the mattress down into its component pieces. So what that looks like, mattresses come in, we stack them up. I'm sitting at our site in Sydney at the moment. We've got probably a 1,000 mattresses here right now that we're working through. That's not unusual for us in this site every day to get that many. The first thing we do is take the mattress, put it on a cutting table, and a person manually slices it open. They then dismantle it by taking all the, the fabric and the foam and the flock off the mattress and what we're trying to do is then firstly get to the steel, the, the steel base inside it, that's recyclable. The steel is recyclable. That makes up about 45% of the total weight of the mattress, so about 12 kilos of steel on average in every mattress. 
We can also then generate into the other waste streams. We also get all the foam out of the mattress. That is uh, recycled and goes into, amongst other things, producing underlay for carpet. So that is a fully recyclable product. And then the, any timber, we can strip timber out of bases that can be reused or it can be shredded and mulched. So the challenging part of what's left is all the textile waste. And that's, I guess, our the thing that is that's, that leads us to the biggest. So using that method, we're able to maximise the amount of recovery we're getting. And we're operating at around 70 to 75% recovery rates. That compares to the other most common method, which is just simply feeding the mattresses into a shredder that basically shreds them down. You'll get some of, some of the steel out by separating it out, usually less effectively, so usually getting about half the steel in the mattress, and everything else then just goes to landfill. So and the reason it's shredded is you don't want to put whole mattresses in landfill if you can avoid it, so shredding them is a good way of getting them down to a, a sort of a, man, a, a, a size that, that can be managed a little more effectively. So that manual deconstruction serves two purposes, maximises the recycling of the product, and secondly, it creates real employment. So we then have to get those streams, steel goes off to a scrap steel dealer, and the foam goes off to our, our customers down that stream where we do get some money for it. It's a very small amount. Uh, there are two major streams, and then uh, we do send some to landfill, which is the actual textile waste. So I'm quite upfront that we don't get 100%. We don't claim to get 100% recycling, but we're getting 70 to 75%, which is industry best. No, that is, and I think that's the whole thing about it as well, is there isn't a perfect solution for it right now. And I'm sure that in the background, you are trying to find a solution for that other 30 to 25% that is left over. How did all of this come about? Is there people doing this around the world and then soft landing was like, let's create this in Australia or what's the process about how soft landing was formed? Well, soft landing had its uh, genesis down in Wollongong and where it was a, another charity organisation set it up really to deal with the scourge of mattresses being dumped councils trying to find a home for them and they they came up with the the method of actually blending that with hey this is also a really good way of creating employment opportunities and we have had this business now for 11 or 12 years and it's now become an integral part of of community resources because it does create you know our overall goal being to keep do good things for the planet and create employment we're creating a lot of jobs and we are doing good things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. For the planet. So it's, a, it's still relatively new. 
but as a lot of things, I'm really a neophyte in the recycling world. I'm new to this business for about eight months and I'm learning that there is so much work still to be done in educating customers, consumers around end of life and getting up to speed with the reality that getting rid of stuff at the end of its life is not free. It needs to be addressed. And so it's one of our our other challenges in life. No, that is very, very tricky. So with your the social impact side of the business or the charity, as I should say, how do people who are looking for meaningful employment find you and what is the kind of onboarding process? Okay, so typically we go out and look for people or seek people from where there is disadvantage or difficulty finding employment. So within our workforce in Australia, we across the sites in Australia, we have people who have come into Australia as refugees. So we've actually been part of their original employment in Australia and, and we've still got a, quite a number that continue to work with us. We have people who maybe have gone through the criminal justice system and needing to re-enter the workforce. Uh, it's very, very difficult to do that when you've had a few bumps in the road in your life previously. We have people who have been long-term unemployed, potentially for many reasons, or struggling to hold down a job. So they can come by employment agencies trying to help them. That's the, the, the critical thing is, Lottie, we are providing them real work. We get no government subsidies to do that. They get paid a fair wage for a fair day's work. And so we actually need to run this business to actually keep it commercially viable so we can continue that good work. So we get them from a number of different channels and perhaps not typical of what many employers would usually look for. So we're prepared to help people who, in some people's eyes, may not be model employees. You know what? You give them a chance you give them a run, you help them, so many have turned into model employees and lifted up their own lives as a result of that. No, it is truly inspiring and so exciting. I just wanted to go back and kind of touch on that point that you just raised there about kind of a lack of government support and how you were giving these people meaningful employment and how the business, it's well, the charity itself needs to be a sustainable business, I guess you could call it. I feel like in the waste sector in particular, waste, and this is what I kind of have to do a lot, is waste isn't seen as a service. It's seen as a right. So people have difficulties understanding that there is a huge cost involved with the recycling of a mattress, for example. How do you go about that in your day-to-day work, educating people on the fact that, yes, these can be recycled, but it isn't something that is easy, that has great value to be then, you're not making money off the resources that you're pulling out of these mattresses. So how do you go about kind of communicating that with people? Well, I would acknowledge that we don't do it as effectively as we could. But particularly in talking to our customers, our, lo- our councils, our retailers, and in the, in the curbside collections we do via our residential, we very much have to explain to them the cost of doing things. 
And really, I think in a lot of instances, particularly with local governments, they can really turn into the, the ham in the sandwich because as a society uh, develops in a developed country, you are absolutely right. There is a view that there is no cost associated with waste. Weight getting rid of stuff is free. And so the moment you actually start to talk about the true cost of changing that, you rapidly move from great intention, great support to people going, oh, well, that's a lot. And, and one of the challenges we have is people making claims that they can't meet and force and really effectively to race to the bottom to try to recycle and do the right thing as cheaply as possible. The two aren't compatible. You know, so you get, you know, it would seem that there's a lot of people out there speaking out of the left side of their mouth a little and sprouting figures that actually may not be really true. And that's how they actually manage to keep their price down. So we actually just need to keep saying there is a cost of end of life. This is what it looks like. And we just keep, we just have to keep sticking to that and keep pushing that message out there. But it's a broader societal question that uh, this is no longer free. It was never free. There is a cost. And to a degree, uh, I actually think council rates and the services they deliver in terms of waste collection and recycling collections are remarkable value for money. And I don't know that ratepayers understand that. Yeah, it is one of these really difficult things and I think it's going to be part of a more ongoing conversation that we all have to keep up and explaining to people as they look to councils and governments to be reducing the amount of resources that are ending up in landfills. But also when we look at kind of, yeah, the infrastructure that is available to actually process the waste that we're all creating on sh- on shore. So in your experience, I know you've been with Soft Landing now for about eight months, I think you just said. So what has been some of the most rewarding aspects of the efforts that you've been involved in in Soft Landing so far to date? Well, firstly, just let me say, I'm, I'm an escapee from the nasty world of business. And so one of the things I love is jumping out of bed every morning with a real clarity of purpose. I guess for me, the stuff we do for the environment is fantastic. It's the human side. When you talk to people and you hear the challenges that they've had and how working, having a job has created dignity, it's created hope. And that's, I mean, it is just amazing. It truly is amazing. Imagine someone that's had five years in a tent in Nauru so they can escape a genocidal regime in the country they're fleeing from. They're now here. They're working for us. They think the world is a terrific place now. You imagine people who have struggled with mental health their whole lives and have gone from job to job because they never quite felt they fitted in and they've worked for us for five, six years now and feel safe and feel wanted. You imagine someone that's homeless and working for us at the same time. At least when they come to work, they do have somewhere to have a shower as well as do their job. And so you hear stories like that and you get exposed to the 
systemic disadvantage and the challenges that people have in life. And in the end, we can really all do something, but helping one person at a time and lifting them up is incredibly, incredibly rewarding. That would be incredibly rewarding. And just, I thought you were going to make a pun then about jumping out of bed every morning (laughs) (laughs) to deal with soft landing. But no, I think it is, you're right, you're having such a great impact both from an environmental level, but also from a social impact level as well. Now to finish, David, I wanted to ask you one question that I ask all of our guests, and that is, what is one thing that our listeners can do tomorrow to help save our planet? I'm going to bring that back to what we do. We get typically are getting mattresses to recycle because someone's got a new one. So when you actually, uh, two things, when you're buying the new mattress, ask questions around how recyclable the product is, what's in it. The second thing is make sure that the person you are buying that from is dealing with or, or is, is seeing that that mattress is disposed of in a sustainable way that helps the environment. A good starting point there is a now a stewardship scheme for mattresses or bedding in Australia. Called, it's the Australian Bedding Stewardship Council. that they, they run it. They have a recyclers accreditation scheme. And a good question to ask is, is the person who's going to recycle this uh, mattress accredited by the Australian Bedding Stewardship Council? So two simple questions. Is the one that I'm buying going to be better for the planet is the one that I'm having to get rid of, is it going to be disposed of and recycled responsibly? Amazing. I love it. And it's just things as well. If you can't find that information on a website from a brand, just shoot them a quick email. And even if they don't have a response ready to go and lined up for for the public to see, at least by asking that question, you're showing that more people want that kind of information to be readily available. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure finding out more about Soft Landing's work, and I look forward to watching what you guys do in the future. Thank you, Lottie. That was wonderful, and I really appreciate you uh, reaching out. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 